Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for joining me for this Life Over Coffee episode. I am Rick Thomas. Very glad that you are here. We just got home last night from Orangeville Baptist Church in Michigan. It is pretty much right smack dab in the middle between Kalamazoo, Michigan, and Grand Rapids. We had a wonderful five days up there. I taught at uh, 10 different times. One of those times was the Q&A that Lucia and I did together, and that is always fun when people pepper us with questions about all things pertaining to life and godliness, specifically marriage. We went up to do a marriage uh, retreat, but in addition to that, uh, I appeal to pastors that if you're going to have us come to your place, then maximize us, use us in as many contexts and situations as you possibly can. And so we, uh, the pastor took us up on that. And so in addition to the marriage retreat, I also spoke to the counseling team. I spoke I spoke to some small group leaders. I spoke during the Sunday school hour and uh, preached also on Sunday morning. In addition to that, I spoke several times, two times on Friday night, four times on Saturday uh, at a marriage conference. And so there was 10 times altogether, had a lot of interaction with people. In addition to that, some wonderful conversations, got to meet uh, some uh, new friends and I just appreciate uh, God allowing us to go up there and to be able to speak at Orangeville Baptist Church. And so one of the messages that I gave uh, at the marriage retreat is five core elements of a healthy marriage. And I've written out a full transcript of what I shared with the good folks at Orangeville Baptist Church. And so now I want to share that with you because this applies to all of us. And so you can find a full transcript of my message to Orangeville Baptist Church at the Marriage Retreat on our website, and it is titled Five Core Elements of a Healthy Marriage. And so if you were to type core elements into the search box. Uh, That's all you need to know, and this article will pop up, and you will have a 2,000-plus word article. Uh, There's a nice poster here at the very bottom of the page that lists these five core elements to a healthy biblical marriage, and so you can uh, use that poster in any way that you like, and then you can listen to this podcast also. And then, as always, there are embedded links in all of our articles, and so you can click on those links and really do a deep dive into all things marriage. So I trust that this will benefit you. Let me jump right into it. Five core elements of a healthy marriage. Now, what you are about to hear are these five core elements, and they are practical and they are replicatable in your home, meaning please do these at home. And when practically applied, these ideas can have a transformative effect on those you want to influence the most, specifically spouses. For some believers, the knowledge of the Bible far exceeds their ability to make it practical in their daily living, especially in their marriages. And so my appeal to you is not to check these boxes. Oh, okay, I have these five things listed and and I'm going to 
check the box. But my hope is that you will let each one of these aspects serve you in the weeks ahead as you practically assess your marriage and then begin to apply these things like as long-term homework assignments for you and your spouse. If you both humbly process these things, it will change both of you for God's fame and your benefit. The first and most crucial element of your game plan, this is number one, and that is to model the life you want to export to others. Therefore, five core elements to a healthy marriage starts with modeling. By the way, these five things are in sequential order, so each one builds upon the next one. And number one is modeling. Now, an excellent way to think about this is by answering the following questions. So here are three questions I want you to think about, and it ties into this idea of modeling. Number one, what do you want your spouse to be? Number two, what do you want your children to be? And then number three, how is your example helping them to become what you want them to be? One of the most common critiques from children who do not walk in the faith of their parents is how the religion of their parents was not a clear, consistent representation of Jesus. If you want to damage your family. The easiest way to do this is to live a dualistic life. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how successful you are. It's your authentic life, good or bad, that will have the most significant impact on your family's lives. If you want your spouse and children's goal, if, it's, if the goal is to walk in holiness, then you must lead them by a bright, pure, authentic, and practical example of Jesus Christ. Whether you are the husband or the wife, the mother, the father, you are a leader, and Christ is the picture that you lead your family in emulating. Christ was Christ all the time. He was not just Christ when he was standing on a hillside teaching large crowds. He was always Christ, even in the lowliest of places in Israel. He was Christ before Herod. He was Christ before the adulteress. You must be Jesus in the workplace. You must be Jesus in the home. You must be Jesus all the time. You must be like Jesus at the grocery store and your church gatherings. There are no days off not to act like Jesus. You are a 24-7 Christian. I mean, the word means basically Christ follower, and you do it all the time. If you don't get this first step right, uh, honestly, it would be best not to attempt to go further until you change. Children respect truth, not liars, not hypocrites. Be who you are, and don't try to be something that you are not. If you are a Christian, be one all the time even in your failures, especially in your failures. 
Be honest, be open, be transparent, be vulnerable, be accountable. Present to your family the life of Christ. Let them see what Jesus looks like through your example. Modeling the gospel must always precede teaching about the gospel. If you don't model it well, the ones you hope will follow God will possibly reject you and reject him. And so perhaps to get the ball rolling here in this conversation about five core elements of a healthy marriage, number one in sequence is modeling What if you ask your spouse in what ways you're emulating Jesus? This would be a wonderful opportunity to exercise leadership, and maybe there could be some areas where you can grow. Question two, ask your children in what ways you are emulating Jesus. Number three, ask your spouse in what ways you need to change to emulate Jesus better. better. And so, your spouse can highlight areas where uh, it is evident that you are following Jesus, and then your spouse can come alongside you in a spirit of humility and help to identify some areas uh, that would be good for you to grow into. Number four, ask your children in, uh, in what ways you need to change to emulate Jesus better. Now, if you're not married or you do not have children, you can ask these questions to two or three of your trusted friends who love you and know you well enough to speak the truth to you. And so five core elements of a healthy marriage. Number one in sequence is modeling. Number two is repenting. Now, perhaps you think that, well, Jesus never repented. And if that is what you're thinking, you are absolutely correct. Jesus never repented of anything because he never sinned in any way, which is why the second most crucial thing that you can do personally and for your family is to repent every time you fail to represent Jesus the right way. You're not Jesus, and neither am I. You sin, I sin, we sin, and we do it often. Repentance is the only way to continually and consistently be like Christ. Trying to be like Jesus requires daily repentance. Let me ask you a question. Would you be characterized as a repenting person Number two, do you live in a sin-confessing home? I'm not saying a sin-centered home, that morbid, introspective home that is always on a sin hunt. No, I'm not talking in a pessimistic or negative way at all. I'm talking optimistically and positive because we are the people with the gospel. We can change. Therefore, it is incumbent upon us that we are confessing our sins when we do sin against God and each other. And so the question is, do you live in a sin-confessing home? If you do not regularly practice repentance, you cannot consistently model Jesus Point number one, the person that defines you. Repentance is an area where I failed miserably during the early years of our marriage. It was the first five years of our marriage that I never confessed any sin to my wife. It's a horrible thing to say, but it's true. 
though I often sinned against her, God, and our children, owning, confessing, and trying to repent of those sins was not part of my lifestyle. My lack of repentance skewed the message that I wanted my wife and family to hear and experience through me. I was modeling something, but it wasn't consistently the Christ-like, uh, Christ's life. It marginalized my sin, the things that I did wrong, or I marginalized sin, the things that I did wrong, and it obscured the picture of Christ. And while I would be quick to let them know where they had failed through their misdeeds, I did not own my sins. I was functionally and practically at times living the life of a hypocrite. And you do live that life of a hypocrite even in an episodic way. It may be once every few days. It may be once a week. It may be a few times a month. But any time that we sin and we don't own it, confess it, repent of it, begin the process of repentance, we are episodically living the life of a hypocrite. So with this second core element in mind, here are a few questions for you. Number one. When was the last time you confessed your sin to your spouse? Number two, when was the last time you confessed your sin to your children? Number three, how would your spouse answer question number one about you the last time you confessed your sin to your spouse? And then question number four, how would your children answer question number two about you? When was the last time you confessed your sin to them? If you're not married or do not have children, then again, I would encourage you to ask these questions to two or three of your trusted friends, those who love you and know you well enough to speak truth to you. Five core elements of a healthy marriage. Number one, modeling the gospel. Number two, repenting because we cannot model it perfectly all the time. And then number three, serving. And so let's suppose that your heart desire is to model the gospel, model the life of the Savior consistently. And let's further suppose that you are regularly cleaning up your messes by intentionally removing your sin. If these things are accurate for you, modeling, repenting, the most helpful thing you can do now is to do what Christ did. He was a servant And he dedicated his entire life to serving others. We see this clearly in Mark 10, 45, where we learn that Jesus did not come here to be served, but he came here to serve. His purpose for coming to earth was to serve others. In fact, a wonderful passage of scripture to jot down would be Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11, where we learn about the mind of Christ, of counting others more significant than ourselves. Two questions. Would your spouse characterize you as a servant? Are you here to be served or are you here to serve? Your answer to these two questions will demonstrate if you want to build your life, your marriage, your family on the person and work of Jesus Christ, the gospel. This characteristic, for example, it means that a dad does not come home to chill out as though that is of first importance. When he comes home from a long day at work, he is ready to serve his family because the dad knows that he was not placed on earth to be served 
but to serve. Dad, you could announce this the next time you arrive home from work. Open the door, step inside, and report to your family, quote, I want you all to know that I'm not here for you to serve me. I did not drive from work only for you to serve me. I am here to serve you, end quote. This is the attitude and behavior you want to convey to your spouse and family because that was the attitude and practice of the Savior, and you are a Christ follower. Jesus was all in on the serving thing, even if it cost him his life. Let your family experience your servant's heart. Let them see you model the Savior as you humbly seek to serve them in practical and specific ways. Now, with this idea of core element number three, serving in view, I have a few questions for you. Does anyone in your home out-serve you? Why or why not? I'm taking this uh, verse in Romans 12.10. It kind of communicates this idea. Paul said this in 12.10. He said, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Showing honor is a competitive event. May serving be a competitive event as well? And so does anyone in your home out-serve you? Number two, do you regularly think of ways you can serve your family members? Number three, do you serve only according to your strengths and preferences, or do you also serve in ways that you don't prefer? Perhaps you've heard the expression, not my job. Uh, Sometimes we can narrow our opportunities to emulate Christ by only working within our strengths. God can enable us to work beyond our own abilities as we learn to rely on him who raises the dead. How would your family members or maybe how would your friends characterize your servant leadership? Two more questions. In what ways do you see those closest to you emulating your example? By the way, if you catch one of your family members serving. You want to identify that evidence of grace, and you want to thank them for emulating Christ. And then finally, are you becoming servants? Are they becoming servants because of your example? We are a shaping influence, and we are influencing those who are around us. May we be that shaping influence that molds them, that compels them to want to emulate a servant leadership example, the one that they see in us. Five core elements to a healthy marriage. Number one, modeling. Number two, repenting. Number three, serving. And number four, encouraging. Now that you got your attitude and your actions in line with the gospel through modeling, repenting, and serving, it would be good to think about how you can export the life of Christ to others. You want to think about motivating others to change into Christ-likeness, the person you are transforming into by your attitude and behaviors. Being like Christ and helping others to be like Christ is one of the highest honors, goals, 
and privileges of any person. What other goal is there for you out there? To export the life of Christ to another human being is the highest of honors. It fits right in to our call to go and make disciples. I don't know of a Christian dad or mom who would not want their children to be like Jesus. The real issue is how do you help a person become like Christ? And so let me ask you, how do you help a person change their ways And while there are many angles or maybe many perspectives from which to come at this question, I believe the most efficient way to motivate a person to change is through biblically informed encouragement. Paul said it this way in Romans 2, 4, quote, Do you presume, do you take for granted, on the riches of his kindness, the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance or God's kindness is meant to lead to change. Paul did not want us to take for granted the riches of God's kindness, the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his patience. He knew that it was these things plus other aspects or attributes of God that will lead a person to change or lead a person to repent. Paul is using a cluster of words. In this verse, Romans 2.4, the three words are kindness, forbearance, patience. He is clustering these words together that implies an idea. Now, you can add more words to this. Like what you see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you know this as the fruit of the Spirit, It says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so there's another cluster of very good words that as you exhibit, it will encourage or motivate a person to change. You give them this example. You give them this kind of fruit that should be iterating in your life. And as they experience this fruit from you, the idea is, as Paul says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Do you want a family member to change? Perhaps your spouse. Let's say that you want your spouse to change. Are you using kindness to help motivate them to change? Are you using forbearance and patience to help them change? Do you remember the context and the method the Lord used to change you? It was the kindness of God that led to your repentance. When you heard the gospel story, you began to think about God's kindness, and shortly after that, you repented. Through encur- motivating through encouragement should become an often used tool of yours when helping family members to become more like Jesus. Core element number four, encouraging. Here's a few questions for you to think about so that you can self-assess. Would you be characterized as an encourager? Number two, do you regularly encourage your spouse? 
Now, that's a yes or no question, a closed-ended question, but then I would say, explain. Explain your answer. Let's open the end of it up just a little bit. Number three, if you have children, do you periodically encourage them? Explain. Number four, when your spouse thinks about your encouragement and when your spouse thinks about your correction, which one would they say that you do the most? Are you characterized as more as an encourager or a corrector? There's only one right answer there. Number five, in what ways do you need to change to model the gospel as it pertains to encouragement? Five core elements to a healthy marriage. Number one, modeling. Number two, repenting. Number three, serving. Number four, encouraging. And number five, finally, teaching. Yeah, we want to teach something. This last element is last on purpose because too many times spouses and parents prefer to teach their children how to be like Jesus rather than model the life of Jesus before them. I mean, why not? It's easier to send them to a Christian school, a Sunday school, a Bible study, or some other teaching environment than to give them a personal and transparent example of Christ. Now, this problem does not mean that we should not teach. Teaching is essential, but education should always come from our authentic Christ-like example. And so as you think about teaching, It would be good to consider the primary way that Jesus taught those that he wanted to influence. And so as you think about all the letters in red in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus spoke, did he primarily monologue when you think about teaching, or did he primarily dialogue when you think about teaching? This is important for how you teach your spouse, how you teach your family. Do you monologue all the time or do you dialogue all the time? Jesus spent most of his time teaching in dialogue context rather than monologue context. The significance of this is essential. Your best and most valuable teaching time with your spouse and children should be in dialogue context rather than monologue context. As you read through the four Gospels, take note how many times Jesus taught through discussion, dialogue, and how many times he taught by monologue, unidirectional. Are you regularly dialoguing? with your family members? What specific things do you discuss? Will you list three examples of how you taught your spouse through communication and ask your spouse to help you with this if you are having a hard time thinking of three examples of how you taught your spouse through communication? Will you list three examples of how you taught your children through communication? And maybe it would be a good discussion to talk through, to ask them to to let you know, to inform you how you have taught them through communication. I would appeal to you to use more dialogue. Jesus did. If you extract the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, from the book of Matthew, You'll find very little teaching in a unidirectional monologue from Christ. He spent most of his time teaching in dialogue context. Living the Christ life is costly. It's time-consuming. 
You can't shovel your spouse or other family members off to the church and expect them to be like Jesus. It would be best if you lay down your life for them. Christ came to die, and he's called us to do the same in an analogous way. I'm asking you to make a decision. Will you talk through all of the questions that I have asked in this podcast with your spouse? My appeal is for both of you to humbly assess yourself and each other so you will know how to change individually and as a couple. There's so many questions that I've just asked you under each of these five categories, and I would appeal to you to go through them. And if if both partners are humble kind, teachable, vulnerable, motivated. There is no reason for you not to change. And because there are so many questions here, I I would ask you to slow the pace down. Maybe it would be better to go on several dates over the next few weeks to give each of you adequate time to talk to God and talk to each other. I guarantee that if you both will humbly interact with each other and with God, he will transform your lives, your marriage, as you walk through the questions that I've just asked you in this article titled, Five Core Elements of a Healthy Marriage. This is one of the teaching times that I had with Orangeville Baptist Church in Michigan, and it was a wonderful experience. And for those of you uh, at Orangeville who are listening to this, please share this with 1,000 of your closest friends. Thank you so much for letting uh, Ricky and Lucy come up and be part of your lives for a few days, and thank the rest of you uh, for listening to this podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.